What is the title of the day's service? What is salvation? So, there are some things that may be regarded as the basics of Christianity or the simplest things of the faith. And there is a tendency we have to despise them because they are simple. Ah, God saved me. There was God saved me from some things. So we'll go for a meeting. And if the title of the meeting is Faith in the Love of Christ, me and my friends like this. It's light. It's too light. It's light. I, we want that depth. <laughs> Labanoa. <laughs> we want that depth. Oh, that depth. I, give me depth, Lord. <laughs> God helped me. Time now came where one day I and my friend are away. We're sitting down and we listen to one guy talk. The way he was talking. We couldn't get one simple, clear thing he was saying. I went up and said, I'm confused. So what do you mean the trajectory of the spirit into the bipolar means of the waves of power? I said, I said what's this guy saying? I said, I don't know. He said, maybe we are done. We have to open this book. Because look, looking for depth. You know, people are looking for depth and ignoring the basics, forgetting that the roots of a tree, oh God, the deepest part of the tree are the roots that comes up from the seed. That means if you really want to go for depths in something, go to the roots of that thing. Foundations are the deepest part of the building. Did you hear what I just said? Foundations are the deepest part of the building. So if you want to go to the depths of Christianity, go to the foundations of Christianity. So basics actually is what forms depth. Did you get what I just said? Basics form depth. Basics form the depth. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And that's why, after our teaching on orthodoxy, that's what I would call a preamble teaching, which is very serious. <laughs> after those foundational teachings on orthodoxy, we are going deeper now. What is salvation? And if you are still not convinced, why we should talk about the basics? Open Second Peter chapter one from verse twelve. Second Peter one verse twelve. Father, I thank you because we are willing and obedient in the name of Jesus. All the instructions that have been given, Lord, we are willing and obedient. Lord, the people, they participate and they are established. Through them, more others will participate and be established in the name of Jesus. I have to be hard like this now because in a short while, many of you will be pastors. Pastoring branches all over the world. You didn't see me. Okay, you're afraid of being a pastor. Somebody wrote on Twitter. So all these pastors, they are making money. Oh. Somebody wrote, we are very rich. Oh. We are very, very rich. 
Just come and test how rich we are. He said, you must not be outside to know. You cannot know it if you're outside. Come inside. And... <laughs> Ministry under Jesus is first imprisonment. You will lay down your crowns, your shackles down, say, Lord, I'm here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. When you submit your own quota of suffering, uh-huh. it will not yield. <laughs> That's if God called you. <laughs> he will not call you. Ah, sorry. He says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Do ye know them? Are you seeing this? Everybody read this verse. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12. 1, to 3, go. remembrance of these things, do ye know them and be established in the present truth? So now, they already know these things and they are established, but Paul is saying, Peter, sorry, is saying, I will not be negligent. Meaning, if we stop reminding you of, of, of these basics, we are being negligent to God. I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Do ye know them and be established in the present truth? Let me tell you something. Eh? You are around for Bible Illumina, right? You saw me teach the Bible for 10 hours. That we repeat the basics is not because there is nothing new to teach. It's because what is the, the point of our ministry is not to prove that we know so much. The point of our ministry is to make you strong. Are you with me? It's to make those who come and who follow and who hear become really established. It's not to prove that I know so much. It's not to prove that, oh, I'm so eloquent. I'm so... Because, listen, you can be heavy in your head and empty in your heart. Do you hear what I just said? The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, not out of the abundance of the head. See, when you are tried, it is what is in your heart that will come out, not your head. And the longest distance from the in, in life is from the head to the heart. When something you know in your head becomes conviction in your heart, you have truly known it. Are you with me? And it will take time. It will take repetition. It will take emphasis again and again and again. Praise the Lord. Charles Potter said, you really know a message when you have preached it 50 times. That's when it begins to settle. And I understand what he's saying. There are certain things I've preached years ago. When I'm preaching them now, it's like, ah, me that's preaching it, I'm understanding it more now. Are you getting me? How much more somebody that is just hearing, he heard it once and forgot about it? <laughs> Praise the Lord. See how many years it took you to master how to talk. You spent six years in primary school. Six years in secondary school. You are still not ready for life. Then you spent four years in university. That's if you did the four-year course. Some people, they did a seven-year course. So six plus six. That's assuming there was no nursery or no kindergarten. Just... That's 12. 12 plus 4, 16 years. And you will not do 
NYC. Compulsory. Unless no job. Some people will still go and do PhD, doctorate, masters. To build. How much, your, how much more your spiritual education? Which you will need not just in this life, but in the world to come. Oh, you think you will need it in the world to come? You will need it too. When we appear before God, our spiritual level will not be the same. It's those who have built something here. Sorry, I've deviated. Is the, is, that is a further teaching on eternal judgment, which I couldn't cover on Thursday. Praise the Lord. So, I want to, when I present the saints from new breeding in heaven, say, yes, the Lord said, bring them for me. I have need of them. Praise the Lord. And even before then, on this earth, he will use you mightily. In Jesus' name. So what is salvation? Number one, I'll give you two definitions of salvation in this service. We'll look at it briefly and we close. Amen. What is salvation? Number one, salvation is the story of the utter helplessness of man and the sovereign intervention of God. Let me go over that again so you shall the glory well. Salvation is the story of the utter helplessness of man and the sovereign intervention of God. The utter helplessness of man. Romans chapter 5 from verse 10. It says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Yeah. Hallelujah. Jump to verse 12. Verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Listen, you did not become a sinner because of anything you did. You became a sinner because of Adam. You were in Adam. So when Adam sinned in God's mind and calculation, you also sinned. Are you with me? So as it were, we became prisoners of Adam's mistake. So it's about the utter helplessness of man and God's sovereign intervention. Even look at the, the, the Old Testament in the book of Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned against God and ate the fruit that God asked them not to eat of. What happened to them? They became naked. See, I don't know if you've... Imagine yourself. God forbid it will never happen to you. Just imagine. You saw, you were walking somewhere and you saw a pole, the wrote, don't touch. Listen, no. <laughs> Good example. Let's say you went for excursion or field trip. People went to go and inspect somewhere. You now saw a pole or a tree. They just put on it. Don't touch. Ah, no barbed wire on the tree. Nothing. They just wrote don't touch. But you know some people, they are, I have coconut head. I know the year word. So they say, make us everything go happen. Did not touch the tree. Immediately you became naked. All your clothes disappeared. <laughs> what will you do? <laughs> no. <laughs> what will you do? Now, it's not like your house is closed. And you can run there. And say, oh, let me change to new clothes. All these spots. (laughs) 
you know that that is utter helplessness. <laughs> Where is that covering? Now, Adam and Eve, they've never made clues before. It's this thing. Became naked. So, where will you start worrying from? Is it what has happened? First of all, you have to start asking yourself imagine you're in Adam's shoes or Eve's shoes. You're asking yourself, what has happened now? What has happened to me inside? I've not dealt with that one. Let me start from outside. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, they went and took fig leaves and tried to sow something for, for themselves. Interestingly, just imagine using leaves to cover yourself. Before you walk from here to here, it has stone. People wear normal trousers with cloth, and it with, there is a way they will run with the cloth with here. How much more leaves? The Bible, says, the Bible says, and the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. But look at when God came in, verse 21. Verse 21. And unto Adam and to his wife did God make coats of skin. Glory. Glory. Now, obviously, for him to make a coat of skin, that means he killed a lamb or something. Are you with me? That was already figurative of the fact that it will be the slain lamb that will cover our sins. Are you with me? And clothed them. So from the beginning, we see that if man will ever be saved, God is the one that really knows man's problem and how God has to intervene. Are you with me? Salvation is the story of the helplessness of man, the utter helplessness of man, and the sovereign intervention of God. Because let me tell you something. When God told Adam, the day you eat of this food, you will surely die. Adam died. God would have said, you deserve, you did it, you deserve it. That's all. Peace. <laughs> Ego bait. <laughs> but God stepped in and began to help out. That's what salvation is. It's first about God. Seeing our need and stepping in to take responsibility for it. Glory! You know, when we are singing and I was shouting, you have rescued my life. You see, those songs won't make sense to you if you don't understand what he has done. Oh, you can press for dimensions and realms now. It is because of what he has done. Don't brag about what you can do to him. Are you with me? It says, Wherefore has by one man sinned and into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. One more verse in Romans 5, verse 17. Romans 5, verse 17. Romans 5, verse 17. 1 to 3, go. one. Look at this. So because of Adam's sin, we came under the reign of death. Death reigned like a king over us. 
no way of escape. The utter helplessness of man. For even one man's offense, death made by one much more. Say after me, much more. Say after me, much more. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace. Say after me, I receive abundance of grace. That means you can decide to receive. You can decide to say, mm, I, don't, I don't want this stuff. But you remain under that bondage. But they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. Say after me, I reign in life. Because I receive abundance of grace. Glory. Glory! Praise the Lord. Three other verses to buttress this point. Let's look at John chapter 10. John 10, from verse 9 to 10. Oh, glory to God. The Bible says, Thus I am the door. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. You know, interestingly, Jesus uses beautiful metaphors to talk about himself. John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you pine. <laughs> then he moves forward, I am the light of the world. That's John chapter 8. If any man follows me, he shall not walk in darkness. Then he goes in chapter 10, I am the door. In chapter 10 also, I am the good shepherd. In chapter 11, I am, res- I am the resurrection and the life. In chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and life. And in chapter 15, I am the vine. The seven I ams. <laughs> Praise the Lord. When you go to the, New Test- to the book of Revelation, you see another seven. I am the Amen. I am he that had the key of David. You see all those things. The Bible is interesting. You will see that the one in Revelation is a little intense. Because now he's in the resurrected state. Praise the Lord. He said, I am the door. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Say after me, I have entered in. And shall go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, it says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I am come that they might have life. And they might have it more abundantly. Now for him to say that they might have life, that means we were dead. Are you with me? You know, we say, oh, I give my life to Jesus. I, I, I give my life to Christ. You give your life to Christ? Do you have life to give him? No. You can't give your life to him. He gave his life for you. He died that you might have life. Praise the Lord. In salvation, we are not the ones that give our life to Christ. He's the one that gave us his life. But after we have been born again, we can now give our life to him because we are consecrated to him. Do you get me? That's the better context of giving your life because you are now his own. No wonder Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1. Let's look at Ephesians 2 verse 1. Ephesians 2 from verse 1. It says, And you had he quickened, and you had he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So we were dead, and the coffin that housed us was trespasses and sins. 
So because of trespasses and sins, we were dead in them. And you had to quicken who were dead in trespasses and sins, verse 2. Wherein in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirits that now walketh in the vision of disobedience. Do you know what this is saying? It's saying that when you even see people disobeying God or in disobedience, many times it was not even their fault. There's a spirit at work in them. They think they know what they are doing. They are under bondage but don't even know. They are slaves to sin. Are you with me? Many people are struggling with sin and the works of the flesh and all of that. Sometimes they are even rejecting God and say, I don't care about all those Christianity things and all of that. They think they know what they are saying, but they are under an influence. The spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. Verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. So this thing is more than just what we did or did not do. It was our nature. Are you with me? And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So he's talking to the Ephesians church that there was a time when you were like the others. There was a time where you were by nature a child of disobedience, a child of wrath. Then it goes to verse 4, but God. You see the way that but changes is the game changer. It changes everything. But God. I was a child of disobedience. But God. I was on that scene. But God. Are you with me? The devil thought he had all power right now. The devil thought that he was the one in charge. But God. But God. Who is rich in mercy. Hallelujah. But God. Who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. But God, let me tell you, when you understand this about salvation, the way we pray, even the salvation prayers will change. God, I promise you, I will not do it. Eh? Who began the salvation process, you or him? But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. You have rescued my life. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, he loved us, verse 5, even when we are dead in sins. Even when we are dead in sins. So he did not wait for you to change before he loved you. Are you following me? You know, when we talk like this, they say, you are encouraging people to sin. Mm -mm, That's the Bible way to present it. Let me tell you something. Remember the prodigal son? Hmm? There is a difference between saying that I'm tired. You are making me vex in this house. I'm going. And saying, I'm going, give me my inheritance. When you say, I'm going, give me my inheritance, you are saying, I'm not coming back. Do you, get, do you understand that? If you, if you get angry and go without taking your inheritance, at least you have something to come back to. But this time around, <laughs> you took the inheritance to go. You are saying, listen, I've crossed the limit. At this point, I'm done with you. But the Bible says the father saw him and embraced him. What does that tell you? In salvation. Of course, we are not saying Christians should be licentious. Are you with me? But we are saying no matter how much you have crossed the line, God is willing and able to restore you. Are you hearing me? 
Maybe your own, you have said, ah, all the things evil can be, I've done it. There's nothing for me to come back to. I don't think God can accept me. If you read that story very well in Luke 15, the, the confession prayer the boy decided to make, he did not declare it again, no. He was not given space to declare it. <laughs> the father saw him coming and the father went, ah, my, the father ran to him. Carried him before he could say, Lord, my father, I'm not worthy to be called thy son. He just said, Give him the best robe. My son that was dead is now alive. <laughs> when they don't give you robe, make me one of your other servants. It's a very still prayer. What's the use of me saying, I don't want to be your son again? Make me. And do you know why? So that you cannot boast in your prayer. I told God. I told God. There are many people that told God but did not tell God. Teaching for next week. What really makes a man safe? Is it, the, is it that you say, Lord Jesus? There are many people. We go for evangelism. When we have argue, 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 and the person does not want to agree. Oh, yeah, say after me, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. They make a talk. They make this guy come on here. <laughs> It says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love where he loved us, even when we are dead in sins, has quickened us together. Put it on the screen, please. Has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Everybody, let's read on verse 6 together. 1, to 3, go, verse 6. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So why did he do it? He just wanted to show us. He did it to, be, to show that he's lavish with this thing. He did it so that he can brag about it. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of, of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For by grace, one, two, three, go everybody. You saved. Through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10. So this salvation thing is God's workmanship. God demonstrated how expertise, he, how, how excellent he can be in bringing man out of sin. Are you with me? So God is rich in mercy. He's not poor in mercy. He's rich in it because his love is great. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. Still on this thought, Titus 3 from verse 5 to 7. Titus 3 verse 5 to 7. One, two, three, go. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Are you seeing how that this not of righteousness, not of works, is so strong in the teachings of salvation? 
He wants you to know that it's not by your power. So, if it's not by your power, that means if by any chance you are struggling in your work with God and you start doubting yourself, are you doubting yourself or are you doubting God? Maybe you are doubting God. And I'm going to go to that shortly. It is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Verse 6, which is shed on us abundantly. Look at this. He shed on us abundantly, not pinch, pinch. If you do it again, draw me again first. Oh, you're the God of our second chance. For oh, you're the God of our second chance. It's a lie. Because if it's second chance, oh man, we don't finish you. How many times do you tell God, Lord, if I do it again? Lord, if I miss it? Take me away. <laughs> you missed it. Then you cried. Cried. You were like, Lord, in fact, I'm not coming to church again. I've made a mistake. In fact, why didn't you die? It is God that walketh in you. What's the will and to do of his own good pleasure? Salvation is God's work in you, not your work in him. <laughs> Are you with me? Your work in him only comes after he has worked in you. Are you with me? Say hallelujah. <laughs> Which is shed on us abundantly. Abundantly. He has shed his grace on me abundantly. Say after me, he has shed his grace on me abundantly. Listen, I'm not trying to present a new revelation. No, this is Bible. Which is shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Verse 7. Verse 7. That being justified by his grace. Oh, thank you, Jesus. After me, I'm justified by his grace. I'm justified by his grace. So that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, this table is the next thing. That's the second definition. So what is the first definition before I give the second one? What's the first one? So everybody say after me, salvation is, salvation is the, story the story or the revelation of the utter helplessness of man and the sovereign intervention of God. The utter helplessness of man and the sovereign intervention of God. Amen. So, definition number two. Salvation is the totality of God's work 
in man from time into eternity. Let me go over it again. Salvation is the totality of God's work in us or in man from time into eternity. Salvation from time into eternity. So let's go back to that Titus 3 from verse 5. Our baby is preaching. Titus 3 verse 5. 1 to 3 go again. Not by works of righteousness. Continue. Which we have done. But according to his mercy. He saved us by the washing of regeneration. And. So regeneration is once. Renewing is ongoing. Are you with me? So there is a way we put it. We put it like this. We are saved. We are being saved, and we shall be saved. Because of time, I would have opened all the verses for these different tenses. See, after me, we are saved. We are being saved, and we shall be saved. So, let's take the ones we can take before we close. Three of them. So, Hebrews 7, verse 25. Of verse 24 to 25. Hebrews 7, verse 24 to 25. One, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. But this man, because he continued forever, had an unchangeable priesthood. So that Christ's priesthood is forever because he's alive forever. Are you with me? Everybody read verse 25 together. One, two, three, go. He says, wherefore he is able also to save them where? To the uttermost. The salvation is to where? The uttermost. Let me tell you something. From the very basic crucible of salvation, it's eternal in nature. Are you with me? He's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. So he's saying, if you came to God by Christ Jesus, salvation is to the uttermost. Praise the Lord. To the very end. So, let's look at Philippians 1 verse 3 to 6. Philippians 1 verse 3 to 6. I'm starting on this very simple note because Thursday, like you know how our series go, a notch higher, a notch higher, and soon we start solving spiritual arithmetic. Praise the Lord. Philippians 1, verse 3. 1 to 3, go. Mm-hmm. Always in every prayer of mine for you, making requests with joy. For fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hey. You missed a place to rejoice. The question is, why would Paul preach like this? If Paul said, I am very confident of this very thing, that he that has begun a good work in me, Are you with me? At least you can brag for yourself. 
But this one you are bragging for people that you are not even with. You are not with them. You don't know how they are living their lives. You are telling them that you are confident of this very thing. That he that has begun this good work. Why is he confident? Because it is not them that began the work. It is he that began the work. Are you with me? So being confident of this very thing that he has begun this good work in you. Are you seeing this? So salvation is the totality of God's work in man from time into eternity. So if, it, if he has begun a work in me, if it is true that he began a work in me, he will complete it. Have you heard that song? God no go shame us. God no go shame us. Romans, that song, I love it because it's Romans 10. They brought it out from. So he that call, verse 13. He that calleth upon the name of the Lord shall not be put to shame. Like we are going to get into it. How are you sure you are saved? If you call upon the name of the Lord, and I will explain the call when we are doing that, those Bible studies from next week, Thursday and Sunday. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will not be put to shame. He will begin a walk in you. Oh, pastor, I'm tired of spirituality. I'm just tired. You are just tired, but you will be passing somewhere. You will be hearing, my Messiah, my Messiah, before you know what is happening. I should just pray in tongues more. Pastor, I made a mistake, but it is God that is working in you. Some people, they have gone through life crisis. So tough. Things were tough. No money. No, everything was hard. They said, I will give up Christianity. And they gave it up. They thought they gave it up. Because they thought they are the ones that gave themselves. Halfway along the line, I think I should go back to Jesus. No, you think you are the one thinking. Pastor, it's not our decision. It's not about us deciding. You decide at the beginning to receive. After you receive, you have entered the door. Do you understand that? You had one chance. <laughs> when you truly decided and he received you, you are now his own. His seal is upon you. Mm. Remember, I am sealed. Once his seal is upon you, forget it, you are his own. So after me, I'm your own. Your seal is upon me. I believe in Jesus. His work in me is perfected. Faithful is he who has begun a good work in me. And he will perform it until the day of Christ. He will perform it until the day of Christ. He will finish his work in me. I will not stop by the wayside. I will not stop on the way. I will not give up halfway. He will take me to the end. I will stand before him perfect. He will finish his work in me. Glory! This is salvation. Faithful is he who has begun a good work in you. Who also will perform it until the day of Christ. So in the first place, I was utterly helpless and Christ came in. And now that he has come in, he will not let me go. Are you with me? Remember when he brought Israel out of Egypt. And Israel was sinning against him and all that and rejecting. You know what God said? You know what? Let me destroy all these people and start a new nation. Moses said, the hidden we hear. That you brought them out of Israel, of Egypt, and you could not protect them, so you destroyed them. He said, Ah, Moses, you are correct, though. 
eventually they got to the promised land. So he that has begun a good work, he will finish it. Welcome to salvation. You are blessed. Praise the Lord. Burn your hands as we pray. Father, we thank you for this introduction into what salvation is. We've seen how that once we were helpless, but now by your sovereign intervention, you've come in and we are saved. And because we are saved,